Welcome to Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, Harris County. Good morning to the great state of Texas. And of course, good morning to the United States of America. And least but not last but not least, good morning to the entire world. Good morning to everywhere our 100,000 watt transmitter that's pushing those signals to every corner of this area. Good morning, all. Without further ado, buenos dias, mi gente, in el studio. How are you guys doing this morning, geniuses? And good morning to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Why the heck not? Why the We're heck doing not? pretty good. We've got the tin cans and string going here. Had a little uh, jazz interlude that Harry's going to be happy about. That was Fat Burger and Spodiote. That ought to wake you up this morning. So we're good. Jack, what you got, man? Well, uh, last night, you know, yesterday I did a little bit on uh, colonization and colonies and col- colonialism. And uh, on uh, Progressive Forum, they had a guy come on and talk about that very topic. So go to the archive and hear that one. Mm. So Man, nothing today? Oh, now, now, here we go. Here we go. This is consumption today. Uh, we have to acknowledge the corporate influences in our lives. Almost everything that comes into our lives is corporate, pushing you to consume more and more, tempting you, taunting you into more debt. What is your monthly budget? They want you to spend, spend, spend willy-nilly. If we could change our consumption to conservation, what kind of world would that create? Well, you know that I'm not consuming because I work here and I got no money. <laughs> and you work here and you got no money. Very I small work here, I ain't got no money. And, and, and people used to die of consumption. Well, I, I'll, I'll rephrase that. The people that have money. <laughs> oh, those people. Well, they wouldn't be this group in here because we ain't got no money. Yeah, we ain't got no money here. This those ain't people, no but we'll be asking for money in a few days. Well, oh, yeah. our our fun drive. So fun. But Let's you know what, folks? We're the eighth. Yes, it's coming up. You know, get get those get those nice little tingle. Not, let's not, you know, I said the the I used to hear this pastor say. Uh, the collection plates coming around, and I don't want to hear any jingles. I want it to be silent. In my mind, I'm saying, okay, we'll make it silent. Nothing goes in. He meant no coins. He <laughs> wanted the dollar bills. <laughs> yeah, he wanted he wanted the paper that doesn't like, you know, rattling. Yes, he didn't want the rattles. But anyhow, man, we are going to have a great show. I have a long interview for you guys today before, uh, before we get to the good old chat portion of our show. Um, the, as you guys know, uh, uh, Sean Tier is running against Kim Og, and you know we've discussed that uh, Kim Og, etc., on the on on this program. Now I want you to listen to uh, what he has to say. This has a material, uh, material, or everybody, every Houstonian should listen to this materially uh, based on all the things that have happened in Harris County. So without further ado. I'll get started and we'll start taking calls after the interview. The interview is, I don't know, about 27 minutes. So we'll do that right away. And then we'll be right there with you, my brothers and my sisters. Here we go. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Wills, your host. Today, we're honored once again, born and raised in Harris County. Sean grew up with outspoken activist parents who marched for civil rights, 
the 60s and instilled in him a powerful sense of empathy and justice. After his mom tragically succumbed to addiction, Sean stepped up and helped raise his younger siblings. He attended St. Thomas High School, graduated from the University of Houston with a bachelor's in American history and later a JD from the Law Center. He served as prosecutor with the Harris County District Attorney's Office for 11 years, including six years as the division supervisor of the office's vehicular crimes division, where he became a familiar face on local news, as we all saw, as he personally responded to hundreds of fatal accident scenes. Folks, we're here with Sean Tier. Sean, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm wonderful. How are you? I am doing fine. I'm doing fine. I think this is probably a second or third round, actually third round. Uh, yep. Let me just say that, um, first of all, thank you for the for talking to us. Uh, the, the, the race is coming to us pretty close right now. Uh, how are you feeling about it? I, I feel great. Um, I feel energized. It, mm-hmm. It's uh, this is my first foray into, into being a candidate and it's mm-hmm. it's eye opening. But it is uh, it's really it's it's exciting to get out into the different communities and just talk to people and listen to their stories. So I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And you're right. We're getting real close. You've been all over the county, as I see now. Um, you've gotten quite a bit of endorsements, my friend. It, it, Let us hear about some of those. I, I, I am, to put it bluntly, I was even surprised at some that you got. Go ahead. Well, yeah, every one of them has has just humbled me more and and honored me. Um, Commissioner Ellis, Judge Hidalgo, um, this morning, uh, Mayor Sylvester Turner came out. Um, Rusty Harden has endorsed me. Um, you know, a, a number of legislatures, Gene Wu, um, John Rosenthal. It, it's just been it's been incredible, not to mention all of the groups, um, labor, the AFL-CIO has endorsed me, uh, the LGBTQ plus caucus has endorsed me. Just last uh, week. Yeah, I, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Working Families Party. It, there's there's just been such a groundswell of, of support that it 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 really does. It makes me feel amazing. It seems to me like you've you've done a good job in establishing both a grassroots rapport, which is necessary, as well as one who can speak to the establishment. I think you need somebody in there who can actually uh, can deal with both sides, because that is what uh, all our stakeholders, if you will. And as 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 being stakeholders. That's the way it's supposed to be. Now, you've you've centralized on on five specific topics, fighting for women's uh, reproductive rights, uh, leading on gun violence prevention, ensuring second chances for those who deserve it, fixing our broken cash bail systems and eliminating the criminal court backlog. First of all, the middle one that you have there is something that I want to talk about first. It's interesting because, as it turns out, the crime rate is has been for some time undulating and now fallen. And um, what upsets many of us, specifically those who are progressives, is when crime is used as a bludgeon as opposed to something that needs to be taken care of in an intelligent fashion. We don't everybody who gets uh, faced with crime, the crime rate is a hundred percent. For the vast majority of people, they never see crime except to what they see on TV. So yeah. my thing is that middle part that you say ensure second chances for those who deserve it usually comes with another thing: preventing crime in the first place. Tell me your thoughts on that. 
that you could not be more right. That that is that is the pinnacle and the pillar of my platform in this in this one issue. We've got to be smart about how we go about the entire system. When you have people and you that engage in some risky, sometimes criminal behavior, especially on the younger side, I'm talking 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds. If you give them a criminal record for a relatively minor offense, you have in all likelihood thrown those people away from being successful, productive members of society. And when you do that, you set them on a path to eventually becoming our worst nightmare, the violent predators on the streets, because really their options are so limited. So we have got to be smart about what we do with those individuals in the first place. The the restorative justice programs that have been implemented in a lot of successful ways around this country need to be brought here. We need to be focused on narcotics possession. We need to be focused on the nonviolent low level offenders and give them a different path forward. I think a lot of that is going to be partnering with our trade unions. A lot of that's going to be partnering with other community-based stakeholders to give those young people, and quite frankly, not even young people, just people, hope and a different path for a more successful outcome. And we're not going to save them all. We, we can't. But if we save a good percentage of them, if we drop the recidivism rate to a six, to a manageable number, now we are being more proactive on the front end. And what that also does is give me and my office and law enforcement as a whole much more bandwidth and ability to go after those who are really making a career out of out of violating and preying on the communities. And there's no difference. Uh, the, the crime rate is the same in Fifth Ward, in Sunnyside, in South Houston, as it is in River Oaks. We just police it differently. So we've got to be mindful about the way we go about that as well. You know, uh, the difference between leaders and political demagogues is the, abel- the ability to go to your constituency and, and, and explain to them why you take the positions you take and not try to work on the visceral fear that people normally have. And that is, uh, speak to me about that, because I think, I, I think for those who are going to buy the rhetoric from some about crime, I'll be strong on crime, I'll lock them up and throw away the keys. They don't realize what they're doing for the tax system. They don't realize that the people who vote for that behavior are actually voting to pay more taxes and actually voting for a more violent society. Finish that right. for me. You you could not be more right. Um, look, I, we have shown that the broken windows theory of locking everyone up and giving them a criminal record, all it does is delay the inevitable because you're going, you're creating the next generation in huge mass quantities of the people who have no other option than to come out and victimize society. That it's been proven time and again that it doesn't work. It makes people feel safer for a little bit, but it doesn't make the community safer in the whole or in the long run. There are ways that are data driven and proven to go about making our society safer. Those are the ways and those are the things that I will and can communicate to our community as a whole. And I promise you in very short order, we are going to see success because 
Harris County in Houston is positioned like no other jurisdiction in the entire country. We have one of the most amazing commissioner's courts right now. It's comprised of Commissioner Ellis, Commissioner Garcia, Commissioner Briones, and Judge Hidalgo, who know that this is the right way to go. We've got district and county court judges who want to work through this smartly. We've got law enforcement who's on board with this. All we need is someone at the top of the DA's office, the warehouse for all of it, driving the train for true reform while still keeping us safe. And that's what we're going to do. It is important for the audience at large to understand that many of those who uh, believe in the concept of just throwing the book at folks or just arresting and locking up, they have a vested financial interest in that, in, 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 in that, um, in that method, if you will. Uh, what, it, what, are the impact of bail bondsmen on our legal system. And tell us a little bit about what you would do as opposed to what your opponent, Kim Ogwood, or has. Well, you know, the, the, the bail bonds industry is one that has profited um, off of the backs of poor people for generations. It, it, there's, there's no other way around it. Um, and so I, I made a pledge in September uh, not to accept a dime from the industry. I challenged my opponent to do the same. She declined and has subsequently accepted uh, a pretty significant amount of money from that industry. She's in their pocket. Um, so she is going to continue to perpetuate those people in that industry from making money off poor people who simply want to get out of jail before they're convicted. I am going to really, really embrace the risk model that has been proven to be the one that shows future danger and risk. And we're going to be asking two very simple questions before we decide whether someone should be released pre-trial. And that is, are they a continuing danger to the society? And if so, I don't care if they're Warren Buffett or they spent last night under I-10, they don't get out. or are they a flight risk? Same issues. And if the answer is no to those, then they need to be out until their trial. We don't have room in the jail. Just today, it came out that we're paying $50 million to transport people awaiting trial to different jails in different states. That's unacceptable. So we need to go forward smartly. But we also have to have an eye toward people that commit crimes while they're out on bond. The, these the, the anecdotal stories of someone out on 14 bonds that subsequently commits a murder. That's not the judge's fault. The judges don't have a vehicle to hold someone at no bond without the participation of the DA's office. So every time you read that, understand that is the district attorney's fault and her office for not filing what's called an 11 B motion to hold that person at no bond. I think, I think, exactly you need to, I think you need to repeat that because too often the judges have gotten a whole lot of blame and the right has come uh, against them for specific reasons. What they're trying to do is eliminate them in court, but likewise on uh, they've done so sort of under the tacit acceptance of the DA. So please repeat that. The DA is, ha, has a responsibility if they think a criminal is one that shouldn't be out there to make the case to the judge. Otherwise, Austin is the one who wrote the laws. Right. And, and Austin and is controlled by a whole different sect of people. That's right. And, and the Texas Constitution says that no one can be hold, held without bond 
pre-trial unless you are charged with capital murder, unless you have been out on bond for an indicted felony and you subsequently commit a new crime. If you do that, then the only way that an individual can be held without another bond is if the district attorney's office files an 11B motion and goes forward on that motion. The judge cannot do that, do it themselves. And quite frankly, it's not just the Republicans that have attacked the judges for three or four years about this. It is not even the tacit approval of the elected DA. She has been on the front line attacking these judges and shifting the blame from her office to them. And it's wrong. It is patently wrong. And she should be held accountable. And I, I, I agree 100 percent that that stuff of shifting the blame where it doesn't belong is it's it's harmful. Now, we have an overcrowding situation in the jail. What is your solution to the overcrowding of our jails? It, surprisingly, it's a fairly easy solution. It's three parts. The first part is we are going to fix the way we accept charges. We're going to get back to a, a method of having experienced prosecutors talking to the police on the scene when they're trying to arrest someone and determining whether that arrest should happen. And if it should, helping the officer strengthen the case at the time. We don't have that gatekeeping facility or we don't have that gatekeeping ability right now. We're going to go back to that. That's going to reduce the number of overall filings. Secondly, on the back end, we are going to trust our elected judges. We're not going to scapegoat them. We're not going to attack them. We're going to trust them. And so if someone doesn't want a trial, if they simply want to see what the judge is going to do punishment wise or guilt innocence wise, we're going to let them do it which means we can turn a lot of these low level misdemeanor and felonies around where this victim and defendant get their day in court within three to six months, as opposed to three to six years. And that's going to drastically shrink our jail population. And third, we are going to really embrace the narcotics and mental health diversion programs that have been sorely lacking in the current administration's approach to this. And when we stop criminalizing and mental health and criminalizing simple addiction, we're going to have a lot more room in the jail and we're going to have a lot more room in the prosecutor's offices to focus on the cases that matter. Those three pillars are going to be the way that we reduce the jail overcrowding in a drastic way in an incredibly quick period of time. If elected. Uh, you will likely be the most powerful enforcer of the law in this state, having been doing so for the largest county. Uh, one of the things that uh, a district attorney must have is something known as discretion with the law. Very important. Something that we find uh, so far has been lacking. When uh, when a, a black man who uh, goes to, to uh, vote and is made scared that, well, he was a few months or whatever the case is away from voting and you throw the book at him it's, uh, and, and you, tr you try like hell to bring him to justice for something not really done where you had the discretion. That's a problem. When you bring charges against officials and it seemed like the officials that you're constantly haggling with 
are either uh, of the not majority population or in the, in the case, I know you may not want to talk about this, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. It seemed like uh, the, the people that get charge of uh, political stature here are the people of minority hue, if you will, uh, whereas one would have discretion. The DA has often claimed her hands are tied in investigations, but the truth is more complex than that. What is a DA actually required to do versus what the incumbent has done? Like I said, many people have asked me to ask you this, and that is, look, this DA seemed to have a propensity to go after a certain group of folk and let others off. Please. Yeah, I, 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 I quite frankly couldn't have said it any better. You, you look at people like that individual who was trying to vote, stood six hours in line and she took him all the way to a grand jury, I believe twice, but over the period of almost a year, keeping that individual in limbo for trying to exercise a right. It, it, you don't have to do it that way. I've been in that office for 11 years. You don't have to do it that way. Of course, we want the elected district attorney in that office to investigate crimes, but investigations can look any way the DA wants it to look. In that case, it's obvious she wanted to use that her power as an intimidation tactic against a black man trying to exercise a right. And then you talk about the commissioners, you talk about Judge Hidalgo, you talk about those where she takes them as far as they possibly can, all the way to grand juries and sometimes to some pretty weak indictments. You're exactly right. And I'll take you one step further. Dr. Hassan Gokul, oh, the yes. doctor who is simply trying to inoculate the population in an unprecedented global pandemic, who distributed nine doses of a vaccine to groups of people, nine doses that were going to expire at midnight that night. And instead of giving the man a medal for trying to figure it out, she not only accepted charges, but when the judge found no probable cause, she kept that man in limbo for six months before she finally presented it to a grand jury who did the exact same thing and found no probable cause. Those are all part and parcel of the same issue. And you're exactly right. They're all minorities. The one who didn't even get presented to a grand jury, the white man, Jared Woodfill, who very credibly embezzled and stole millions of dollars from his clients. She instructed her prosecutors to sit on that case until the statute of limitations ran without a single presentation to a grand jury. I can't tell you why. I wasn't in inside those decision making points, but it certainly paints a pretty stark contrast and not a very flattering picture of an elected district attorney. And, and that is one of the reasons that, I, you know, again, uh, I, I asked this question because a lot of folks who know I was interviewing you said, please ask this because this is a problem that we that we shouldn't be having now um, about the women's issue. Um, I, I, you are the, will, would be the district attorney of Harris County that falls out of the realm specifically of whatever it is that the governor and his pew decides to do. Um, what can you do to make lives easier for those in Harris County who may be persecuted by the state law? Well, when you think about it, we are on the ground. We are ground zero 
of these draconian laws that they've passed. They have criminalized a woman seeking reproductive health care. And the top law enforcement officer in the third largest county in the country certainly should and needs to have a position on that. So, yes, this is central to my campaign because I truly believe as a father of two daughters, as someone who's been married to my wife for 18 years, I've got nieces, I've got sisters. This is personal to me. I believe that a woman's decision-making on her body is between herself and her doctor, full stop. It certainly shouldn't involve Greg Abbott, Dan Patrick, or anyone else in Austin or law enforcement here in Harris County. I am committed to ensuring that women have the ability to go seek life-saving reproductive health rights without fail full stop. But what I have to do is investigate anything. And by having to say that, I truly believe that I'm costing women their lives. Women will die because we cannot say we're not going to prosecute a case. Women are going to either not seek the healthcare provider that they need, or they're going to seek back room, back alley abortions, like we're in 1950 again, and we're going to see women die. So what I am committed to doing is doing everything in my power and within the law to make sure that women have access. And I will use what is an incredibly large microphone and pulpit by being the elected DA of the third largest county. And I'll go be in Austin. And I will testify and bring more and more notoriety and publicity to this issue. And I'll make them tell me no to my face. What we have had as the current DA is not only someone who hasn't been to Austin once to testify about this issue, but also the only elected Democrat in the state of Texas that didn't join in a letter pledging not to prosecute these crimes. Every other one joined except for her. Well, you know, uh, you, you got me into uh, getting a bit political with this uh, conversation because, and I want to say this for the audience, you don't need to respond to this. But much of what uh, many find suspect with what the DA has done, mostly prosecuting people of not the majority, uh, not going after issues like uh, defending women's right to an abortion uh, and, 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 and going with bondsmen and talking about the exploding crime rate that isn't really the fact and not talking about using fixing crime before people uh, monetize crime. That is exactly uh, what one would do if they wanted to triangulate in a democratic county by coming over the top with votes from the right. You don't have to comment on that, but uh, uh, that is what's called triangulation. And uh, in a county like this, if we allow that, or if folks in the county allows that to happen, then they would have gotten what they deserve. Anyway, uh, let me go ahead and um, ask a couple more questions. Sure. Specifically, um, let's. Uh, what are you going to do about this backlog that we have? 
in, in the, you know, because uh, I think the current count, uh, the current DA had gone to the commissioner's court and wanted to hire a whole bunch of folk in, in there. But um, what would be your solution? Well, my solution to fixing the backlog is part and parcel to what we already talked about, about reducing the jail population. All of that works together. When we stop accepting every single charge that's presented to us, when we work through them in a timely fashion of three, six, nine months, as opposed to three, six, nine years, when we do all of that together with the smart, empathetic diversion programs, then you are going to see that backlog shrink just like you see the jail population shrink. And in the same time frame, these are all just ideas that if you went, it's not like I'm a genius coming up with these. If you go talk to any one of the rank and file prosecutors that I've supervised for the last seven years, they tell you exactly the same plan I'm talking about. Everybody wants to see this happen. Every single person in the courthouse, defense attorneys, judges, prosecutors, they all want to. The only person that's not going forward with this smart plan is the current elected DA. It's interesting because it's that's it's not only the right thing to do, but it's also fiscally responsible. It costs the county less money. But that the, the, the less money that it costs the county <clears throat> is money not going into the coffers of a whole bunch of plutocrats. But we'd leave that alone. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? Uh, um, you know, just how excited I am to restore and actually bring competence and integrity to that office. All of these plans, all of the things that we've talked about are critically important to everyday citizens of our community. But the thing that no one really understands is how bad it is for the DAs in there right now and how that affects your public safety. We are hemorrhaging good prosecutors and they're not leaving to go get rich. They're going to Fort Bend. They're going to work for Brian Middleton, who is an amazing leader and a very smart person and somebody I'm going to lean on innumerable times to go about figuring out how to work through this stuff. But they have to feel empowered. And when you have rank and file prosecutors in one of the largest law firms in the state, feel like they're trusted by their by their leadership, feel like they're empowered to do and follow their oath, which is to do the right thing, you're going to see justice be served. You're going to see cases that need to get dismissed be dismissed because they're not scared of the people above them. You're going to see empathetic diversions be granted by rank and file prosecutors because they're not worried about being thrown to the wolves. All of those things matter more than anything. And at the final part, when we can retain and maintain talent at the DA's office, the really violent bad guys get held accountable. Right now, we're losing more murders than we're winning. That should terrify everyone. I am the leader. I am the person that can do it. And when I'm in that office, the entire county will feel better. Sean Tear, candidate for Harris County District Attorney. It's been my pleasure to have you on Politics Done Right. Hey, bro. Thank you so much, man. I'm sure I'll see you soon. And 
I can't wait to be back on. We All right, folks, I hope you uh, enjoyed that interview. The telephone number is 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. You can give me a call anytime. Now we have a couple other videos that we uh, that we can show. Uh, one with the immigration crisis in uh, – <laughs> actually, it's not an immigration crisis at all, but I can talk about that. But anyhow, telephone number 713-526-5738. Hit extension number two, and you'll get to me right away. Una vez más, 713-526-5738. Eight. Folks, um, uh, well, before I get started, um, I want to let you know something. I take very seriously the role that we have to inform. So one of the things that I try my best to do, Especially when I do pre-tapings. Pre-tapings mean, of course, that instead of bringing somebody live on air, like, you know, whenever we have, let's say, a queen or, or, or Daniel on, is to be able to fact check the things that, um, that, that we say. Because as, as it turns out, one of the biggest problems I hate with today's media is the misinformation and the cunning that goes on. And it's something that we have to fight for. One of the reasons we are in the positions that we are in as a country is that we have allowed a corporate, uh, a corporate system to drive our politicians in such a manner that they implement that which isn't necessarily best for them. So uh, beforehand, uh, I got two, two, uh, two calls so far, Harry and Colby. Let's go to Colby and then uh, we'll go to Harry. But let me tell you, um, come on in, folks, 713-526-5738. Want to hear your voice either on the previous topic or we'll, we'll continue with the immigration video. Come on in, uh, Colby. Colby, you're on. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Hey, lots going on. Um, I, I just listened to your Sean Tier interview. That was good. Um, I, I, I kind of wanted, I, I wish if he was in studio, I would ask him about his thoughts on uh, Ken Paxton going after cities that have decriminalized pot. Um, I actually, I did, I was supposed to ask him directly about marijuana, but I, be honest with you, I forgot. But the, if you take a li listen to the interview and you can go back to the interview, he spoke about the decriminalization of uh, of uh, addiction and also uh, not taking on those particular crimes. Remember, we discussed the topic as far as uh, district attorneys have discretion as to how and what they prosecute. Yeah, and it seems like they're going after prosecutorial discretion. Um, yes. But, uh, well, since I was covered in the interview, I guess the next thing is I did – I watched a little bit of this video of the uh, – the mega racists in Dripping Springs. And good Lord, I had to just turn my phone off when it got to the point of Ted Nugent talking about Vietnam vets. <laughs> Once all you have to say is Ted Nugent and that ends the story. That's all you got to say. <laughs> Ted Nugent. All right. No, I next just, subject. I, I hate myself for liking stranglehold. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Colby, anything else before we jump to Harry? 
not not much. Uh, just got a. I had a great time last night. Uh, I got to meet Beto O'Rourke, and I'm happy about that. So um, I'm going to go hang out with him in a, in a little bit here. So, uh, But you have a wonderful day, Egberto. Thank you, my brother. You take care, okay? And, and, and tell Beto, Egberto of Politics Done Right says yes. I've interviewed him like two or three times, so we'll, we'll talk, all right? Take care, buddy. All right, cool. All right, bye. Bye-bye. All right, Harry, how you doing? Now, wait, hold on, Harry. 713-526-5738. After Harry, we are wide open, so give us a call now, 713-526-5738, extension numero dos. Harry, how are you doing this morning, my brother? Doing good, as usual, Roberto. You get a triple A, amen plus with Shantir. I hope he gets elected uh, to um, uh, do the things he wants to do. I like his three to six months idea um, with uh, getting... Um, uh, the, the prison uh, uh, undercrowded because that's what needs to happen. And I uh, think with the women's abortions, they should uh, not to prosecute that because uh, Greg, Greg Abbott and, and uh, the federal government need to stay out of women's lives. They need to have uh, the right uh, to, uh, to control over their own body between them and their doctor. So he's, he's right on point with all those uh, ideas to try to get the prison system down. And I think with, like you were telling them there about saving money by decriminalizing it, that money needs to go into public schools. That's where that would be a good idea to take that money and help the uh, failing public schools in Texas and what great and, and screw Greg Abbott and his ideas with his voucher uh, programs, which are not going to help most people uh, uh, anyway. And um, that that money could go to um, fund the public schools because the public schools are are failing uh, under Mike Miles because they're just being underfunded. Um, so I that would uh, be a good idea for that money to be saved. Now I'll make a point on Nikki Haley. Paula Der- Derrick had it right yesterday. Nikki Haley is just practicing hypocrisy. She she is right about Donald Trump. Wanting uh, if he were to get back in there. To uh, um, raise more tariffs, um, and then the uh, federal budget takes a beating because he's um, ra- uh, he's running up more debt, and then taking that money that he would get off the tariffs to um, aid the corporations and the billionaires. And Nikki Haley, you're a hypocrite because you're up here talking about Donald Trump dividing people and all that, which is true. But I seem to recall during the runoff between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker, because he criticized Herschel Walker, you said that he should be deported. Uh, now, this is a U.S. senator who's an American citizen that you're talking about that should be deported. No, Nikki Haley, you also are no good, and you are dividing people as well. Thank you very much, Harry. Uh, great hearing from you as usual. Let's go ahead and now go to Brother Emmanuel. And folks, the telephone number is 713 713- Five two six five seven three eight. Again, that number is seven one three five two six five seven three eight. Extension number two siete uno tres cinco dos seis cinco siete tres ocho. Extension número dos. Hey, Emmanuel, cómo estás, mi hermano? Hey, muy muy bien, muy bien, papá. ¿Cómo estás tú hoy? Dios te bendiga. Luchando bendice. con la vida como siempre. Dios te bendiga también, hermano. Hey, mira, uh, you know, uh. That was a great interview. I like that. I, I like that. Um, but I'll, t- I'll say this. Um, 
I, I've seen this guy before. I don't know much about him. Um, I, I know a little bit about the current DA, you know. Um, I've been around a couple of our circles and so forth. Um, uh, but I, I, many times I question her and how she, she, she doing things and supposed to be representing the Pueblo, the people. And, um, I question many of her, of her, of her ways of doing things. And, um, she not, she not being fair. She not being fair. Um, uh, because I picked up along the way, you know, that, she, you know, she playing a little bit of both sides and, and, and there's some, you know, powerful people, Republicans to play like that, um, that is actually, you know, kind of, uh, and this is just, we are, you know, it's not fact. This is just what I heard. Is mm-hmm. back in our campaign a little bit. Um, well, actually, so, you know, uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Manuel. Yes, I understand I, what I you're saying. You know, yeah, you, you understand. You know, you. you let let, let me just tell you. Let me tell you what concerned me, Emmanuel. I am. I. I try to be very fair. I, I'm a very progressive person, and uh, and but uh, with progressive progressivism, one also has to be objective, and. Too many of the things I saw, uh, if you noticed in the interview I spoke and I didn't ask, I didn't ask John Tier to comment about it because my interviews, I don't want it to be uh, a, he, uh, a, a, an attack interview. So I wanted to say this myself about how some people use what's known as triangulation uh, to, to effect or, or get votes, which I think it is very, very important. Uh, I think one has to be able to be fair. And if you're, you know, when you, when you, when you put a, let's say the black man issue that I use, when you put a black man who was, I don't remember how many months away from, uh, from getting away from, I forgot what it's called when you're released from custody and you let, you make it very visual that you are placing him in front of a grand jury. Uh, The state then moves that grand jury to Montgomery County where they're likely to get a conviction. And Montgomery County goes ahead and said, no, we really can't touch this guy because the state can't bring a charge against him. And you bring him in front of a grand jury. That is a message that a lot of people, specifically black people say, if they, if they ever had an encounter with the law, I better not go vote because it's it's the it's the intrinsics that people don't see that we have to be very careful about and that is that really that was one issue that really riled me up because i understood that voter suppression doesn't look like i am going to suppress your vote today it's the side issues that actually makes it happen and when i saw that i said oh my god all the things that I was hearing. Oh my God, that's it. But Emmanuel, anything else before we go? Any we, before we go to Mary? Oh, uh, I mean, just just continue bring you know bringing that news, baby. I, I love it. Gracias, hermano. You have a wonderful day, sir. Tenga un buen día. Let's go to Maria. Mary, come on in, Mary. Good morning. 
How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I just uh, had a thought about the criminal deal. If y'all start in the school, junior high, elementary, uh, with the juveniles, because um, they are slapping these kids with, mine got slapped with a felony at 12 years old mm-hmm. for uh, doing a gun point, like with his finger. Right. And he got a uh, stalker, stalker charge. And that started him on, you know, and they're doing that to other children, too, with um, slapping felonies on these kids for bullcrap, you know. And that sets them on a criminal path. And then it goes from there. And once you get um, once you get that on your record, they just, you know, they don't even try to. My point is, if y'all start in the in the elementary schools, junior high and try to um, get these. um I guess, um, I don't know what they would be. Uh, I guess when the um, police that are in the school, if y'all right. could focus more on that and see what they're doing behind the scenes, y'all might be surprised. Yeah, and, and you and know what? You, you nailed it, Mary. You nailed it, right? Uh, what we do is we criminalize everything and, and from kids or, or small. And and John, men, I mean, uh, Sean mentioned some of that where he says, you know, uh, you go, you get somebody into the criminal justice system there uh, where they have a record. Their life has changed forever and it likely makes them further on better criminals. You have to prevent the criminalization. First of all, you have to prevent the crimes from happening by having the programs necessary to build up those folks that don't necessarily have the right kind of parental control. Create a society where where crime doesn't look attractive. But when you say we throw the book at them and all of that, you're not helping this situation. But yeah, Mary, and it also, um, yes. Yeah, go ahead, Mary. Also affects, it also affects the person. I mean, once they, um, you know, get slapped with something, they feel less about themselves. And so they don't, because he was an AB on a road student before that happened. And then he just totally lost his own confidence, you know, he felt like go. he was, and it just goes from there. So that's Mary, all. I thank you so kindly, Mary. You nailed it. You nailed it. You nailed it. Okay. I got me a quick, thank you for calling. I got another video about the border because th- this is how we're fooled again. Uh, so let me go ahead and play that and then we'll take it on the other side. Uh, let's get started with that right this minute. Let's be clear. <clears throat> There is, in fact, a border problem. A lot of people are coming into the United States from many Latin American countries, whether it be Venezuela, whether it be Guatemala, Honduras, uh, El Salvador, Haiti, Haiti. And one of the reasons why it is uh, U.S. policy that is causing displacement, uh, farmers that no longer have their lands, uh, different stuff within trade treaties that have put these countries at disadvantages. And what do people do? They want to take care of their families, so they migrate. But these things should happen in an orderly fashion. Right now, it is not one of the reasons why we need to have good legislations to get these bills passed. Currently, Republicans are, are creating a havoc not to get this uh, le- these legislations passed. but. What Greg Abbott and many of the Southern governors and not even some of them in the Midwest are doing is create trying to use the immigrants, these immigrants as some sort of a tool, a bludgeon 
and they're lying to the American people or getting them afraid of something they don't need to be afraid of by trying to militarize the border as if there is an invasion of people coming. As if these people that are coming over here are they are so dangerous. The truth is they're much less dangerous than the people right here in the United States proper. In fact, the rule, if you take a look at the polls, etc., you you will notice that they are actually much less dangerous than the United States population as a whole. Because why? They don't want to get caught. They don't want to be deported. But the governor and all these guys are grandstanding with exactly what to do. So let's listen to this. Who, uh, this little snippet here and listen to what the woman has to say at the end where she points out that this is nothing but a scam by Governor Abbott and all these Republicans who are trying to make an issue of that isn't the case and not solve the issue that should be solved. Check this out. David Noriega in Eagle Pass, Texas. David, it's good seeing you. How what is being discussed in Washington playing out where you are. Yeah, Jose, Eagle Pass is a pretty small city on the border, and it's become really the center stage in this national political drama. The main way this is playing out here is in this conflict between uh, Republican Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Uh, all of this is is connected, right? And I've been talking to some of the people who live here in Eagle Pass, some locals, and a lot of them sort of resent that they've been pulled into this political conflict that they didn't ask to be a part of. Uh, you know, since I've been here, we've, we've been spending a lot of time in, in and around Shelby Park, which is this big park right on the river that, that residents of Eagle Pass are used to using a lot. Families, families use it almost every day, but uh, Texas authorities shut it down in order to prevent the Border Patrol from using the park to process arriving migrants as they had been, particularly last month when migrants arrived in, in really, really large numbers. So I spoke to Juanita Martinez. She's actually the, the chair of the local county Democratic Party who kind of came to the park to argue with the National Guardsmen who weren't let her and other people in. I want to play you a, a short clip of what she said. Take a listen. The residents here in Maverick County and Eagle Pass, we know the real story. And everybody that's smart enough to know there has there is no danger. There is no invasion. None of this is stopping immigrants from crossing. It's just a political show. I spoke to a city official too, Jose, who said that the, the city is starting to, to bear some costs in relation to this, uh, this activity by the state. And they're wondering, you know, who's going to take care of that in their, in their already pretty meager budget. Let's be clear. There is money to be made here. All these right wingers that are riling you right wing folks that follow them up. What they're doing is picking your pockets. You know, that caravan that's coming from Virginia, they're picking your pocket, $144,000 is what they raised for that. Why don't they raise $144,000 and help the needy? You know, all those barbed wires that they're putting in this particular park that people like to use. Oh, I wonder which company was awarded that contract to put down all that barbed wire. I wonder which con company was awarded the contract to use Texas excess funds to place an army on the border. Who pays for it? You do. You do your money that could have been going to teachers, your money that could have been going to educators, your money that could have been going to fixing roads, your money that could have been going to health care. It's going to a false premise. And we take it. And as we try to tell folks, stop being hoodwinked. We pay for it. Folks, open your eyes. This is a scam. 
The, the, the border issue is a scam. The crime issue is a scam. The people wanting to make money on bails and, and private prisons, it's a scam. The people trying to make money on the barbed wires and the holding tanks, and all, it's a scam. People are people. Most people are good. Most people are just trying to survive. Stop being hoodwinked. Stop being hoodwinked. Uh, stop being hoodwinks. Folks, uh, I got a couple of minutes. 713-526-5738. Call real quick. Uh, get your piece in real quickly. Brian apparently is here. Brian, come on in real quick, my brother. Okay. Uh, about two weeks ago, Director of Homeland Security, Mayorkas. Uh, uh, Mayorkas. Uh, yeah, Mayorkas. He said that, yeah, they know exactly how to track the 37,000 illegal Chinese immigrants. He didn't know where they were at. He was asked again. He said, no, we have ways and means to find them. Okay. Yesterday, the director of the FBI went before Congress and said that the Chinese government has put spyware and malware on our sewer system, our water system, telecommunication system, and satellite system. Now, there's 37 thousand illegal Chinese military age men that has entered this country. And what are we going to do about it? That's hoodwinked. No, that's a fact. And thank I told you, you all much. this. Brian, no. Brian, thank you very much for your call because it's I got to go to ago. our, but I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just answering you real quickly. The, the traders that we have to look out for the most are traders from within not traders from without. You take a look at the stats as far as who's doing more harm to the country, you'll see it. Got to go, Brian, but thank you for calling my brother. Art, come on in real quick. I got to, uh, Art, you got 30 seconds. Oh, so Art, how would you, you fix this? Uh, how would you fix this border? What, what's your solution? The solution to the border is not difficult. First of all, we are in, instead of investing in, in barbed wire and all of that, I'll go to Haiti, Nicaragua, Venezuela, and all these places and put in uh, some finances to keep people where they are. That's where people want to be at home. But that thinks that think, talks about thinking outside of the box to take care of those that are here right now. We'll just have to find an orderly way to get them in. We have had steady state immigration before when we didn't destabilize markets throughout Central and South America. We can't simply look at the things the way they are. We have, to, I mean, the way that that we are told it is. We have to learn the true back story that is causing the problem so that's your answer art at question ask question answered thank you art we got to go to bard, bard uh, come on in good i would say i would say okay. that uh way to solve it is um here let me finish a way i would solve it is like if, they, if these um they really want to come to the country which is fine i get it i have a background with immigration i live down in the valley uh, don't give me the background uh, you got to talk tell me what you want my dear brother yeah, so what I would say is like, if a family wants to sponsor, uh, um, you know, people coming over, they should, you know, sponsor them, let them stay at their house, let them in incur all the expenses, and they would feel like these democratic cities that that feel like. Okay, Art, you know, I, I got to stop you for. I got now, Art. Now, next, now, call earlier the next time, but I got to stop you. But, Art, stop for a minute. I got to stop you to go to Bart. But here's the deal. So, here's the deal. 
here's the deal. The, the answer to that is you're simply not listening to what I said. We caused destabilization in Central and South America. That is what's causing the problem. Fix the problem. Fix the cancer. And you don't have the problem. Bart, come on in. You got 30 seconds. Yeah, Brian's right. Uh, there's an organization called El Otro Lado. They are printing directions in Chinese for these people where to stop, where the Chinese hotels are in Panama and the Darien Gap. They come across, they drop all their money and their passports at the border. They come across as anonymous and they get the uh, free phones, free gift cards. Thank and, you, Bart. Uh, Bart, thank you. Uh, you, you are, you're, you're very well informed from the wrong media, but thank you so kindly for calling, sir. Let's go ahead and go to uh, our studio, my dear brothers and sisters. Oh, actually, it's only brothers in the studio right now. Close up for me, guys. Well, yeah, we're both in here. Sister. Jack says he'll be his Okay, Jack. Um, anyway, we've got the request show coming up at 930 this morning. We'd like to plug that a little bit. And uh, just, you got any wisdom? No. He, Jack doesn't have any wisdom for us in closing. I will say that we can probably spend some of those billions of dollars uh, on the other side of the border if you can get Mexico's permission to do some uh, housing over there where they can just stay until they can legally get here. So they're out of the weather. They're out of... Uh, out of the elements and it's a little healthier for them. So it's a little more humane if we spent the money there instead of spending it uh, on on police forces. My brother, and think about that. Think about the humanity. Think about the goodwill that we get from doing the right thing. Not, not, you know, uh, I I mean, there's just so many, we can always do things that is less horrible. You know, but I, I don't know. There's just a sect that wants to be horrible. But anyway, uh, thank you, Texas Blue Bonnet, Eric Hayes, and uh, somebody else in this thing. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Howard and Jack, for uh, your support. Thank you to the audience. You're listening ears. Alistair Waters is in the house as well. Thank you so kindly. My name is Egberto Willis. Love you all. This is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.